Biblical encouragement for children and parents right around the corner on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Kids and parents are faced with enormous challenges and pressures today. So how is a Christian to navigate through this fallen world? Well, we can learn quite a bit from a young teen from years gone by. His name is Daniel. And today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor recalls his early years and how his parents prepared him for what he would face in life. It can serve as wonderful encouragement and direction for both parents and children of all ages today. Join us in Daniel chapter 1. Take your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 1 in a Bible study that I've entitled Purposed and Intentional. Purposed and Intentional. Daniel at this stage of his life is in his teens. Some estimate that he's anywhere between 14 and 16 years old. And I was reminded of those that are 14 and 16, maybe even 11, 12, 13, how hard it is to navigate through the younger years. And it's especially become more and more difficult for this generation. It's become harder and heavier and more difficult to endure the difficulties of life. There are more pressures and temptations more surroundings, things are, the, the things that are surrounding them increasingly becoming harder, darker, and more difficult. The amount of fatherless homes has only increased. The difficulty placed upon the mom as a single parent. Divorce rate has gone through the roof. And kids are left in the middle, having to deal with the realities of their own pains and their own traumas, their own fears and their own anxieties without a real context of protection and covering that comes from the home, let alone that comes from a Christian godly home where both parents are seeking the Lord together and both parents are discipling their kids. And I commend you, single parent, for carrying the load. I commend you, maybe you're unequally yoked, and you're infusing the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ into your home. I, I commend you for those of you that are facing the difficulties that your kids are. You, you as parents, feel ill-equipped at times. You know, if you feel ill-equipped, imagine what your kids are going through as they're facing things over and over to the left and to the right. They're, they're seeing things and they're hearing things and how difficult it is. Researchers that spend their life studying these things have identified, if you're taking notes, seven unique pressures, seven unique things that kids are dealing with at a younger and younger age. And I consider, I lay them before you, and the survey here, the research is a few years old, so you have to infuse in the research the addition of the global internet revolution, and younger and younger kids are walking around with phones in their pockets. And, and the new thing, I, we were just at the 
uh, having lunch just this week, and in the table next to us was a grandma on her phone, mom and dad on their phone, and each of the kids had headphones on over their hoodies. So they had their hoodies up, headphones on, each of them watching their own thing on their tablets. And, and while there's a time and place for those things, I know that wasn't an isolated incident. And so whether you're enjoying a meal together or you're enjoying at home together, it's not just, we used to use the phrase, you know, vegging out on TV, but now there's so much more opportunity to veg out on technology uh, as the kids are, so you gotta factor that into these and I'll try to factor them into some of the things that I share. But here are seven things that are facing our generation. Number one, constant media pressure. Previous generations just didn't have to deal with the massive overload of information coming through music, movies, video games, the internet, social media, and on and on the list will go. Even, even inventing things that are being hidden from parents on their phones and on social media. There's just pressure to fit in, this pressure to communicate, this pressure to measure up, this pressure to have. You know, while you and I might have had this peer pressure of, of wearing the right shoes, that's in that, and having the shoes that everyone has, that has just skyrocketed through the roof. It's, it's just constant media pressure. Number two, moral choices are being forced upon kids at a younger age, at an earlier age. Sites education is being forced upon pre-K students in many public school systems around the country. In some schools, at least one out of every five junior high student surveyed has already had sexual relations. And that number keeps going down. The moral choices and pressures and the redefinition of morality and the redefinition of identity is pressing in on our kids at younger and younger ages. Thirdly, there's a hopelessness about the future. A hopelessness about the future. Kids are growing up wondering what the next 10 years might bring. Will they be able to afford college? Will they, you know, kids are worried about retirement because their parents are worried about retirement. They're worried about where they're going to live and whether they're going to have enough money. And, and, you know, you hear these things in the political realm. You know, if you're watching the news, your kids are hearing the news. They're hearing and they're talking about it. And they're wondering, well, what's going to happen in my life? If my parents are worried, what's going to happen with me? What's going to be available to me? You think of just going to college and being saddled with multi-thousand dollars of college debt. And kids are worried about things at a younger age that they don't need to really be worried about. Number five, or excuse me, number four. Kids today are living in a society with no morals. Our society with no morals. Our particular country, although I don't think it's just a Western issue, but in our particular culture, our nation has no more bearings of what right or wrong are. The new phrase, I don't know if you've noticed it, but the new phrase that uh, has just picked up some steam lately is, this is my truth. This was truth for me. And they'll say something and it'll just be outrageous. It'll just be any rational person, anybody thinking it through, just like, that, you, what are you thinking? And the response, well, that's truth for me. You may have a different truth. What do you mean? Truth for me and truth for you. Truth is truth. And it stands independent of your opinion and my opinion. It stands independent because truth is not a philosophy. Truth is not a morality. Truth is a person. 
Jesus Christ identified for us the standard of truth when he declared that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But kids are dealing with the reality of their culture being without morals. It used to be, we might say the phrase amoral, but now it's anti-moral. Any mention of any kind of moral restrictions are immediately diffused by the parents, or not necessarily the parents, but the adults in their lives that they're supposed to be able to trust. You add to that number five. As I mentioned earlier, kids today are li living with an unstable or even non-existent home life. I know this isn't new. I grew up uh, as a latchkey kid. I think they invented that phrase for my generation where both my parents worked and they worked very long hours and I came home to an empty house. I, was, I never was one of those kids that wore the key as a necklace, but I know kids that did. I had a key in my pocket or it was under the rock or under somewhere around the house. And then when I came home, I was to take the key out, go inside, uh, go inside the house, lock the door and not leave. And, and today it's so far worse. It's so much more difficult. There are so many definitions of what a home should look like than ever before. Marriage is being redefined. The roles of mom, dad, even the children in roles of what children are. You add to that all kinds of gender misidentity and you've got all sorts of confusion in kids when God intended the home to be a refuge from the craziness of this world. God intended our homes to be a spiritual refuge of truthfulness, of morality, of safety. But so many kids are dealing with that. Number six, today this generation of kids has more freedom than ever before. More freedom than ever before. I don't know how many times you've driven through your neighborhood or you've driven home late at night coming home from a friend's house or something and the kids are outside and you wonder, what are the kids doing outside? Or in general, what are the kids doing, period? With the pressures on mom and dad, more kids are able to run free and literally be a discipline unto themselves. And maybe not outside the home, but perhaps kids are now a discipline unto themselves in their home. And you've got mom doing what she's doing, you've got dad doing what he's doing, and you've got the kids doing what they're doing, and it's a free-for-all of how they're going to end up. But without any moral restraint or discipline, we know how they'll end up. And even with moral restraint and discipline in the chaos of the home, I mean, kids are already going, there's already a bent in humanity to go against God. You have it and I have it. And you know, the pressures that we're feeling and the things that we're going through and the, and the, the issues that we're unable to process and, and we're overwhelmed emotionally and we're overwhelmed practically and we're overwhelmed financially. I mean, here we are, mature adults dealing with the issues of life. But our kids don't have the capacity yet to deal with the things that we're dealing with and yet they're feeling the full weight of them. And then finally, number seven, these same kids living in a culture that's what I call the get it now syndrome. And they live and they, they sense everything can be had instantly and without delay. Kids today are growing up without the ability to deal with pain, delay, and denial, which are very important in our development. No is a very strong word and it's a very powerful word that teaches us dependence and it teaches us how to wait and deny de denials, the pain that's come with denials. But, but you factor this in. 
wherein a parent is lacking in, in their parenting and they're not home and they're allowing this, what happens is, is a parent starts to parent out of guilt. And instead of being a parent, they want to be their kids' best friends. And so wanting to be their kids' best friends, they treat their kids like their buddies. And I, I was always telling my kids as they were growing up, and you know, fortunately now in their adulthood, that I have to be their parent before I can be their friend. I've got to raise them. I've got to discipline them and raise them in the ways of the Lord. Then friendship comes. It's not the other way around. And so when a parent feels guilty, a parent will then start to just give their kids whatever they want, buying them off for a short amount of time, but it really doesn't do anything to help that young person grow in the things of God. There's a longer list, of course. You've got all the peer pressure and all the things, all the voices. We live in a culture now where drugs are not only more available, but they're legal. They're legal. And they're being advocated at the political level. The po politicians have their motives, and that's finances. And the drug growers and producers have their motive, that's finances. But who pays the price? The kids. The kids always pay the price. And that's important for us to grasp because Daniel is in this age group when we meet him. He's in this same age group. And he, although we're not introduced to them, had parents that trained him and disciplined him. They dedicated their lives to instruct and prepare. And that's really the emphasis that a parent has in a child's life. Our responsibility is to train a child in the way that they should go. And the idea of the word training implies dedication, instruction, and preparation. And let me just say for a moment before we jump into another section here, you may be sitting here or you might be listening to this Bible study and saying, but Ed, I did the best that I could and my son and my daughter still chose to rebel. Well, doing the best that you can becomes a very comfortable pillow to rest your head on as you trust God with your child's decisions. And if you're not in that place where you go, you know what, I've been up to this place and I just didn't really know how to parent. I just didn't really know. I've just been walking with the Lord for a year or six months. It's never too late to start over. Never. You insert yourself in a godly way into your kid's life as soon as possible, no matter what their age might be, to infuse love and grace and ministry into their lives, praying for them, not giving up on them. Training and instruction and preparation is what we all need as God describes us as his children. We're all facing pressures and stresses. These same things are, are infiltrating our lives. We live in a hostile world, a world that doesn't know God, a society that does not honor God. And the pressures you guys face as adults are very similar, even if we use different words to describe them, or even if we don't communicate them very much. But I want to encourage you to listen in to Calvary Live every day and listen to the questions that are coming in and listen to the situations that people are in and listen to the pastors as they answer the questions and they point people back to the word or, or in some cases they just simply throw their hands up. We just need to pray. I, I don't exactly know how. 
I don't understand exactly how God is going to maneuver you through this and get you to the other side. I don't know. We're, we're standing up against the Red Sea. I don't know how we're going to get through. There's, there's a mountain to my left and there's a mountain to my right. And if I decide to go backwards, I've got the army right behind me. I, I've got the Egyptians behind me. I've got the Red Sea. I, I don't know. But I know God. And I'm going to trust him even as I stand on the banks of the Red Sea. And I'm going to trust him to make a way where there is no way. And I'm going to trust him to strengthen me as I wait. This isn't just something for the generations behind us. This is God's work in our lives now. It's not too late to step up and step into what God has for you, despite all the difficulties. The world that we live in, as we learn in Daniel, is trying to press us into its mold, trying to get us materially bound and worried and concerned and forgetting about forgetting about the eternal aspect of our lives. Even as we were having uh, staff devotions this morning, and one of the brothers was sharing, he shared something so simple and yet so profound, that through life, we can just go through life and just get through on, uh, to get up, get ready, get out the door. But he, he mentioned in his Devo that it's just good to get up and have a scripture to base your day on. Just to have a word to trust God on. But I had to think of myself this morning. I did my devos this morning and, and I shared some time with the Lord before I came in. I, I tried to get up early enough to do that and I did that. But did, did I really just hold on to a verse for today? Did I just really ask God to give me a verse? I, I, I didn't. But I remember a day when I did. I remember having in my back pocket a three by five card of God. I would write down the verse and I'd pop it in my back pocket. And, and I would feel it when I sat down. And if I needed to remind myself, I'd pull it out. And it would just be that three by five card that I would also memorize that scripture. And if you were to come and frisk me and check my pockets, just today, there's no three, five by, three by five card in my back pocket. It's the spiritual realm being swallowed up in the physical. And if you think it's just a teenage problem, it's not. It's a human condition. The spirit lusting against the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit. The two are contrary to one another, so you don't do what that, that which you wish. And as we open the chapter here in chapter 1 with Daniel, Daniel's been kidnapped and taken captive, removed from his family, removed from his home. And he's been placed in the middle of a hostile anti-God world. He's one of the best and the brightest, one of the sharpest, most good-looking kids in all of Israel, of all Judah. And Babylon, like the world then uh, and the world today, had a systematic way of brainwashing and deprogramming their subjects. Remember, they were to think differently, live differently, and worship differently. They went after the mind. They went after the heart which then would then go after the behavior of the kids. And we studied that in depth last time. And that's how it works today. The same thing happens with us today. How this world wants us to think differently. Mocking and making fun of your faith in Jesus Christ. Mocking the Bible. Calling it a fairy tale. And I can't believe you believe in that nonsense. And whatever words are being used today. And then they want you to worship differently. They want you to compromise your faith. They want you to compromise your beliefs. They don't want you to be so rigid. And so the enemy is, is very clever. And for the believer that is to walk in the agape love, 
the agape love, like the God love, like love when it's not expected. The world has made a convenient word for that. For believers today, now believers are just hateful. Imagine that. that that's the new narrative when it comes to Christians today. We're just filled with hate. I, I find the enemy so strategic in the very things that he does, believers are accused of. I'm not to say we may not have our issues and a few people posting nonsense on Facebook, but it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. That's our culture. And it's squeezing us, wanting us to copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But Daniel stands as an encouragement to us because he had two things. And these are two things you need to have as well. Purpose and intentionality. To live your life with purpose and intention. Pastor Ed Taylor describing Daniel's two-pronged approach to life, purpose and intention. And this is Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, you're going to elaborate on this next time we're together, but could you briefly explain what Daniel's purpose and intention were, which we are to emulate? You know, sometimes we forget, Larry, that Daniel was a kid that was kidnapped, literally, uh, taken to a foreign land, uh, stripped of all his identity, uh, his language, his heritage, his history, his religion. And he had a choice to make, didn't he? He could go along with the program and just like, well, you know what? We're in Babylon. We might as well just live this way and get drunk and party and learn whatever we got to learn in Babylonia. Or he could respond with a day of purpose. He, he can, as the, old, the New King James says, purpose in his heart. And what, what was the direction? Daniel made a decision in his heart. It was an internal decision. I see the same thing because I'm studying through for our church right now, Larry, uh, the book of Hebrews, and it talks about Moses forsaking Egypt. And Moses forsook Egypt a couple of times outwardly, but he would have never been able to forsake Egypt outwardly had he not forsook Egypt inwardly, had he not made the decision to not want to identify with the idolatry and the paganism and the anti-God atmosphere of Egypt, not to be the Pharaoh's daughter and be sold out for some money and some food and some status. Daniel is no different, following in the same footsteps. He made a decision inside, and that decision inside, and I don't think it's just a momentary decision, although it begins in a moment, it's an ongoing affirmation of an internal decision. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to compromise. I, I don't care if nobody sees it. I, I want to live a life of integrity. And that's what I encourage you. You want to live a life of integrity. There's a difference between your reputation and your character, we'll find out. You know, reputation is what people think you are, but character is who you really are. And character, it's been said, is who you are when no one's looking. You know, that's hard now for that because we have so many cameras everywhere. Everybody's looking. Praise God for that so that our lives would look the same on camera, off camera, privately, publicly. I'm so excited that we finished the book just when we did, that we finished Romans on Abounding Grace when he did. This is fresh stuff. Romans, I love the book of Romans, but the studies were delivered like 12, 13 years ago. And even though God's word doesn't return void, uh, there were some relevant things back then uh, that were applied that as I'm teaching Daniel, you're going to have relevant things right now, like we literally just finished weeks ago. And I'm excited to have some fresh Bible studies. And I really want you guys to reach out to us. Go to my website, edtaylor.org, 
edtaylor.org. Email me through the website or email me directly at ed at edtaylor.org. I really want to hear, hear your feedback. I want you to join me in praying for our city, for our country, uh, and I want to hear how God is using the study of Daniel to blow your minds, because it is. It's going to blow your mind uh, in, in an encouraging, wonderful way. It's going to challenge you. And this study alone, Larry, will you purpose in your heart or not? Because that's the real question. Again, we'll share the rest of this message, Purposed and Intentional, on Monday. I also want to remind you that our radio programs are accessible through the Calvary Aurora app and on our website. That address is AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we'd like to offer you a book that can be a real encouragement. It's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. You might think of lament as how we bring our sorrow to God. But this is often a neglected part of the Christian experience. Learn how to vocalize your pain and wrestle with sorrow as you move toward deeper worship and trust in God. Author Mark Rogop explores the Bible through the Psalms and Lamentations, inviting you to tap into God's grace and mercy that He offers in the darkest moment of your life. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.